0: Captivating landscapes, flawless tobaccos, elegant presentation, introducing pure origin. At JR Cigar, our innovative team is on a journey for unrivaled flavors and enriching experiences. Along that path, we discovered new, distinctive, and groundbreaking tobaccos from the furthest reaches of the earth and are bringing them right to your home. The intentions are pure. The process is pure. The origin is pure. JR Pure Origin.
1: Boom! Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Smoke Night Live. This is episode 381.
0: We are going to be talking about bourbon tonight, Connor Slump. That's right. We got five gateway bourbons that are going to lead you down your bourbon journey. We're going to start off with some delicious lower price points that get you started into this amazing hobby of bourbon drinking. And then after we go through that list, we're going to circle back around and we're going to talk about, well, if you like one of those Where do you go from there? What are the higher end offerings from that same distillery that are going to double down on that flavor that you already love? That's right.
2: Connor, you're good at this.
0: That's right. right. We are going
1: to do that. (laughs) Uh, But before we get there, folks, uh, it's Friday Night Herf. You guys know what we do on Friday nights. We hang out on the dojoverse.com, we check into our favorite scars. Share what we're drinking, share what we're smoking, doing all that. But uh, a week from today is a very special day because a week from today, we will be uh, introducing, we will be unleashing, launching, so to speak, the Afterburner. That's right, folks. This is our newest cigar from Fratello. And uh, it's a very special project because the illustrations on this box actually were uh, made by my father back in the day when he – would um, essentially there was no CAD, there was no AI, there was no CGI Connor. Nope. It was just a dude.
0: Just real artwork.
1: A dude with a pencil. Just that they they would say, like, hey, like we're thinking about making this spaceship and it's gonna do this. And they'd go to my dad and he would try to draw essentially what they were looking for. And so it's a collector box. Um, it's a very, very rare cigar because there's some some super rare tobaccos that uh, Omar from Fratello um, found at the factory, and he's been wanting to use these tobaccos, Connor, but he, he really couldn't use them in any kind of project that was you know ongoing because they're just mm-hmm. it's it's like unicorn tobacco, and so he was like, "What if we use this tobacco on this project?" And so. It's a small run. It's essentially 3,000 cigars, 300 boxes of 10. So that is going to go live a week from today, which I couldn't be more excited about. We've actually been working on this project, Jordan. Two um, years. Two years we've been working on this project. Uh, Jordan, show everybody your shirt too. This is the most buttery, the most buttery. Are you good? By the way, that says dojo right there. It's the most buttery soft shirt that will ever caress your skin, Connor. No nipple-chafing on those shirts. Not any nipple- In fact, they are uh, especially approved by Scott Braband, who had uh, open-heart surgery almost a year ago, and he said that when he was... Connor, when he was recuperating from his open-heart surgery... By the way, Scott's not here tonight. He passed away. No, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) No, Scott's 100% fine. He's 100% fine. But he said when he, he was... Recuperating from his heart surgery, he could only wear dojo shirts because it was the only shirt that didn't, uh, you know, affect or rub against his, his uh, you know, his uh,
2: new pig uh, arteries,
1: pig arteries and stuff. And so anyways, we're going to be unleashing this new shirt at Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest this year. Jordan's wearing it for the first time tonight. We thought we'd tease it a little bit. It's going to be amazing. So if you're coming to Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest, you're going to get a chance at one of these oh. buttery soft dojo shirts but you know what Connor tonight's all about bourbon because on Wednesday was National Bourbon Day Mm. it seems Mm -hmm. like there's a national day of some sort every day every day, and there's at least three or four there's a whiskey day there's like a scotch day there's like that well Wednesday was bourbon day and of course that's a big day for us because we're big bourbon guys and I know you are as well Connor you have a a YouTube channel. It's called the Thirsty Oak. That's right. And just explain real quickly what the channel is all about for folks listening at home.
0: Yeah. So on the Thirsty Oak, we make everything whiskey related and we dabble in cigars from here and there. But a lot of times I just lean on these guys to help me with those episodes because they're the true pros in the industry. But on the channel, we like to make some fast paced content. So everything is pretty refined. It's highly edited to get that Information that entertainment delivered to you in a short amount of time. So all my videos about five minutes long. They release every Thursday. So between Wednesday when you guys are tuning in and Friday you tuning in, every Thursday a video drops.
1: Now I thought it would be fun because uh, Dojo audience um, maybe isn't aware of what you're doing. I thought it'd be fun to go ahead and play the the video that you dropped yesterday. Sure. And that
0: video is called what? That is five things I wish I knew when getting into whiskey. That's a good topic. I'm gonna give you five things I wish I knew when getting into whiskey. When I started getting into whiskey, I was obsessed with the idea of building a collection. I would go online, I would look at bottle reviews, and then I would buy it. The problem is, these high reviews that folks were leaving were people who already knew that they enjoyed this style of whiskey. As a beginner, I didn't even know what type of whiskey I enjoyed yet. So that brings us into the first thing I wish I did, which is try before you buy. Even in the same category, there is a ton of variation in flavor and quality. I love bourbon, but I don't love every single bourbon I try. For a fraction of the price of a bottle, you can try tons of amazing whiskeys at your local whiskey bars or your liquor store tasting rooms if you're lucky. If you don't like it, you saved yourself some hard earned cash on a whiskey shelf princess. And if you do like it, you can now buy that bottle with total confidence. this early on, I surely would have saved some precious dollars. But what about when you discover what you do like? How do you branch off to similar tasting whiskeys? Well that brings us into the second thing I wish I did, which is understanding the labels. When getting into whiskey, this is easily one of the most confusing aspects. Distilleries are constantly using and abusing label buzzwords to increase quality perception of their bottle. Unfortunately, most of the time, it just creates consumer confusion. Now, since there's so many, I'm just gonna add these whiskey terms to the description of the video. I just don't wanna bore you here. Well, now that you know your vocab, you need someone to share your knowledge with. And that brings us to the third thing I wish I did earlier on, which is join local groups. Whiskey is not just about drinking. It's about drinking with good company. You can drink the finest and rarest whiskeys ever made, but if you're not sharing it with good company, it's not nearly as enjoyable as it could be. Local groups are everywhere, and this is a great opportunity to connect with like-minded people who share the same passion for whiskey that you do. So join a group, share your whiskey, I guarantee they will share back. This is also an amazing opportunity to try tons of whiskeys that your peers already love. i met so many amazing people that I now call friends through local meetups, and as we get older, it's not getting any easier to meet new friends. So join a group well now that you understand what you like you know your vocab and you've got some drinking buddies it is now time to explore your local distilleries you're getting into whiskey at an amazing time the industry is booming craft distilleries are popping up everywhere these tours and tasting rooms that these distilleries offer are always fun and interactive for rookies and pros alike it's a great opportunity to learn see the process in person, ask questions directly to the person who makes the product you love, and also meet more like-minded people. Also a big bonus is you're supporting local businesses and trying new things which leads us into keep an open mind. When I got into whiskey, I didn't like most of what I drank. Drinking peated scotch damn near made me puke and drinking anything over a hundred proof burnt from one end out the other. And now, a short time later, I enjoy both of these things. Your palate will change and evolve over time. What you don't like today, you might like in a year. So if you've had something you didn't like and it's been a while, give it another shot. Who knows, your palate might've changed and you might actually enjoy it now. Oh, and please do not write off an entire category of whiskey. That one bad (laughs) bottle of Irish whiskey you had is not reflective of every single distillery in Ireland. Now, one thing that you can do that I didn't even have the opportunity to is watch the Thirsty Oak content. Just kidding. (laughs) No, but seriously, if you made it this far in the video, you were well on your way to being a whiskey pro. But maybe you like to smoke cigars. Maybe you like to smoke cigars with your whiskey. Well, if that's the case, you're going to want to watch this video now. I'll see you in the next one.
1: Boom. There we go. That's the Thirsty Oak guy. Who is that guy? Who is that guy?
0: I'm that guy, who that guy, <laughs> and if you're um, wondering what is the video he talked about at the end? It's actually a video I did with these guys here. Mm-hmm. We did how to pair your bourbon with cigars to get the optimal amount of flavor complimentary, everything, and just make sure that it is a beautiful pairing and that video was released last week, so maybe check that out after the episode. There you go, we, so uh,
2: we attacked the, the uh different whiskey styles that you brought over with different uh regions, cigar regions so mm-hmm. like. Rye, you brought over rye, and we were like, "Oh, Nicaraguan, you know, fiery Nicaraguan tobacco with the rye."
1: So yeah, ice was it was spice. great. It was an excellent video as well. Uh, good content there, Connor. But tonight, uh, we thought since so many of the dojo people love cigars, and maybe some of them are really into bourbon, but some of them just don't kind of don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. And so we thought tonight we would get into the five your five top. Gateway bourbons, the yeah. ones that kind of got you like jazzed Gateway
3: about. Burger.
1: That one's that kind of got you jazzed about bourbons. So let's get right into it right off the bat. Connor, what is our number one, uh, The fir- not the number one, but the first one that you're going to share with us yeah. tonight? So the
0: first one is going to be Wild Turkey 101. So this <laughs> comes out of the Wild Turkey Distillery, and this is. One of their most amazing budget bangers. This is 101 proof, as you see in the name of it. It is just packed with flavor. It is at a great price of $25. And this right here is going to get you sent into this amazing loophole of bourbon. Right here is a great place to start.
1: All right. So since it's such a good place to start, Connor, I'm going to start with it tonight. I'm going to pour myself some right now. You know, uh, when Jordan and I, we were at the Perdomo factory in Nicaragua this past February. And there was a, uh, I don't know what it was, Jordan. It was one of the wild turkeys. And they, so like Nick had a whole bunch of whiskey out Connor and there was one of the wild turkeys. I don't know. I don't know which one it was. It was, it was, it was one of these Mm -hmm. and it was so amazingly delicious. And I gotta admit, I'm sort of, I'm sort of late to the game with Wild Turkey cuz like mm-hmm. I I think it maybe has
2: some reason you think of it as like oh that's yeah, cheap stuff it has that's a, like Jack Daniel's
1: It has a little bit of a bad uh perception maybe mm-hmm. initially but when you get into the 101 it, that's mm-hmm. sort of a game changer.
0: Oh, it's a huge step up in flavor and quality and I definitely hear where you're coming from there where it kind of kind of started out with the bad rap. My dad says he won't even drink Wild Turkey cuz his uh alcoholic uncle couldn't Pick him up from school unless he. He always had to stop at the liquor store and get some wild turkey and <laughs> take a swig before he got home, and so it definitely kind of has that it's stigma to sad. it. But they are, I mean, they are making amazing stuff, and that bottle is twenty five dollars. Twenty five bucks. Twenty five bucks. Now, if you guys are watching on uh, YouTube and Facebook
1: as we go along, uh, feel free to comment on what you think of these picks.
2: Uh, Chad mm-hmm. wants you to shotgun it.
1: no no that's not gonna happen no chad that will not happen but we we, we're curious to see what you guys think now we could have gone a million different ways with these first five Mm -hmm. picks and maybe we'll do another show yeah um but uh so okay wild turkey 101 great place to start where are we going next connor
0: all right let me see here let
1: me reach into my special
0: bag yeah so next up, we are going to the Heaven Hill Distillery, and we are starting at the Elijah Craig Small Batch. So this bottle comes in about 94 proof. It's about a $40 bottle, depending on where you are. Yep. And this is amazing, an amazing introduction to the Heaven Hill Distillery. They are doing great things, and, and truly, it's low proof. So if you're just starting out drinking spirits, it's not going to just drink like it's straight fire. Um, but even if you are into it and you enjoy the high proof stuff, this is still a great place to start. Elijah Craig, uh, oh, yeah.
1: Connor. Let's just talk real quick about how you prefer to drink bourbon. Because there's, mm. you know, some people just like it neat. Some people like to add a little bit of water. Some people add ice. Some people add, you know, the um, stones, the cold stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is sort of, in your opinion, optimum
0: way to to drink yeah. the bourbon? So you've got two different things that can really affect your experience drinking bourbon um, or any whiskey for that. Uh, so the first thing is going to be temperature. So the lower the temperature is, the less you're going to be able to taste those subtle notes. And so I always like to keep my whiskey at room temperature. I don't like to chill it. Um, when you get those stones that cool it, but they don't dilute it. You know, if you p- prefer drinking something at a colder temperature, that's great. Um, but it's not for me. And then you've got ice cubes, which will actually cool it and dilute it. So they'll water it down a little bit and a little bit of water is not a bad thing, but, if you're going just with some typical ice cubes, you know, if you have a big rock, it's a bit different. But just it, it dilutes it down, and you it will be a lot easier to drink at a lower temperature and a lower proof when you're watering it down. But um, then again, if you're drinking higher price point whiskey, it's probably not the best choice to be able to experience everything they intended you to. And then going into glassware, I prefer to drink my whiskey out of a Glencairn, so it's got this tulip shaped bottom, and what this does is it has this wider surface area at the bottom, and that allows for plenty of surface contact for that whiskey to really breathe and those aromas to um, come off of the whiskey, but then it refines it at the top. It narrows that pathway, so you get a lot of those concentrated aromas. And when you're drinking, you actually taste a lot through your smell. And so not just sniffing it, but also when you're drinking it, you get a lot more of that, those subtle, nuanced flavors in a Glencairn glass. Now, I would say, you know, for, for folks that... Um,
1: are new to the sort of the bourbon hobby Mm -hmm. i've always said i think one of the biggest mistakes people make is they they pour some some bourbon or whiskey scotch whatever and they're taking drinks like they would take out of a cocktail Mm -hmm. and and it just it's just too much it's it's too fiery it tastes like gasoline they might say that kind of thing so i've always recommended to folks you take this if you have it neat like i do just no water no ice no nothing you just take the smallest sip, mm-hmm. let the bourbon just disperse into your mouth, across your tongue, mm-hmm. and let the bourbon do the work. You, do, you just need a tiny, the tiniest bit, like a, a glass, a Glencairn glass like this could last you your entire cigar. And so yeah. don't try to overdo it. Just let the bourbon do the work. Take a yeah. very small amount, and then you'll start to get— those nuances, if you take a, a larger sip, mm-hmm. it can it can be too much. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's go to our third uh, gateway bourbon. Let's see
0: what we got, Connor. So the third is going to be coming out of the Brown Foreman Distillery. Move this out of here. Oh, yeah. And this is going to be the Old Forester 100. Oh, baby. Whew. I mean, this is going to send you down a rabbit hole of <laughs> Brown Foreman products. Old Forester is doing something extra special with their whiskey. Because I mean all their stuff is lower age statements, but that's not a bad thing. What they do, and I don't know what makes it so special, but it's got delicious caramel, it's sweet, it's balanced, and this hunter-proof. It's great entry-level price point. It's not too high in proof, so it's not gonna drink too hot. And this is gonna be a great starting point for any whiskey drinker.
1: I think, you know, one of the one of the great things about this, the old Forester product, and pretty much all the ones that we're gonna talk about tonight, I think, for the most part. You
0: can get this at literally any liquor mm-hmm. store. I mean, they're widely, widely available. Oh, yeah. And that's the great thing about this list, too, is we did take availability into consideration, especially with the gateways. As we go a little bit up in the tiers, some things are going to get a little bit harder to find. Um, but, but all these you can find pretty much anywhere, some hole in the wall liquor store and a strip mall, you're going to be able to find old Forester hundred. Now there is
1: the old Forester 84, 86, sorry, 86, 86, yeah. 86, um, which is, is fine to make cocktails with, mm-hmm. but I, I, I do feel it's, it's a tad watery. So yeah. just starting with a hundred will make you mm-hmm. appreciate the old
0: Forester line a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge step up in quality for just a couple bucks more. And also, you can always control if it's too hot for you at the start. Add a little bit of water. You know, you can always water down a hundred proof, but you can't proof up an eighty-six proof. So it's a great starting point. It's just a couple bucks more. The value is there. And when you start liking the higher proof stuff, you know, you can, you can take it as high as it gets at Old Forester.
1: Now, tell folks um, that may not be familiar with this because we're we're trying to talk to
0: the the novices that mm-hmm. that has
1: haven't done this before. When you say add water, uh, explain that. Carefully, so
0: that they they know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So when you add water, you you want to start with as little as possible, and you're adding it to your glass, adding it to a Glencairn or a rocks glass, whatever you got. You really want to just add a few drops. If it's still too hot, add a few drops until you get to that point where you really start to experience those flavors. And then, as you continue drinking whiskey, there's kind of a barrier that people talk about where. As you start to drink this stuff more often, it's going to get a lot easier to drink. A lot it's it's called the wall of whiskey drinking and it's it's the same receptors on your tongue as like spiciness. So if you've the first time you had those extra spicy wings, they were really hot, but as you continue eating that stuff it gets a lot easier and you start to actually enjoy that. It's the same thing with whiskey. You're not going to start out drinking high proof spirits at 130 proof you're not going to enjoy that you're not going to get any of the flavor so you start low work your way up and you're going to really appreciate those higher proof spirits eventually
2: do you do uh dis- is it like recommended to do distilled water or like
0: you know people talk about matter? distilled water cuz it doesn't affect the flavor it's you know it's pure water there's no minerals there's there's some companies that actually sell Kentucky limestone water in the bottle <laughs> I really don't find there's much difference there's just so much concentrated flavor in the whiskey to begin with that that I don't really think it matters so any water you got any water you got? Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go, folks. All right. Uh, that's three of them. Let's go to number four. All right. So number four, I actually don't have the bottle on me because I drank it all. We, <laughs> <laughs> we drank the whole that bottle. for the show. At <laughs> the barbecue. Um, but this is going to be Bardstown Origin Series. So this is their own distillate, and it's the bottled and bond version. So this is going to be a higher wheat mash bill. I want to say it's about 30% wheat in the mash bill. It's a six-year-old. They actually age their stuff in these zebra infrared toasted barrels so each stave is at a different level of char and man it is it is incredible how much flavor they're able to get in there in six years it's about a 40 to 50 dollar bottle they just started releasing this i want to say about three to four months ago so you know in some stores it's a little bit harder to find but it's coming around it's making the rounds and if you see it on the shelf it's got a black label it's the bardstown origin series oh is it not
2: I, i picked up this it's not this
0: that is another origin series, but that's not the bottom. That's bond. not it. That is their bourbon. So it's going to be the high corn and the rye in there as well. That one's a great bottle. Oh, we all tasted the bottom bond at the barbecue mm-hmm. and we all preferred that one. So that's a great entry level. This one, that one, There No, nope, nope, that, no, that's not that one. Not that <laughs> one. <Absolutely. laughs> no, no. Jordan, you're batting,
1: uh, yeah, you're batting zero batting, he's batting zero. I had a black label. Uh, Connor, um, you, you say mash bill, mm-hmm. and um, just
0: tell people what mash bill means so they know this yeah. term. So mash bill is pretty much the recipe that they use with grain when they make the whiskey. So any bourbon is going to have at least 51% corn, but typically it's closer to that 70 to 80 sometimes 90% corn in there. That corn adds a lot of the sweetness. Rye adds a little bit of spice. They call it the seasoning of the bourbon. And they're always going to have some malted barley in there as well which just um, helps when they actually, it helps the fermenting process. It makes the starches and the sugars more um, soluble, I guess, to the yeast and adds more alcohol to it. So um, the, the more, you know, and wheat is known to add a little bit of a smooth char- character. That's all the Wellers. Um, and, and truly, and that's Maker's Mark as well. Um, but the the Bardstown Bottled and Bond is just doing it incredibly. And it's hunter-proof. Um forty to fifty bucks so it's a little bit higher price point than than these other ones, but they are a newer distillery. they kind of made their start doing all these blends where they bought mgP and they blended you know ten to seventeen year old bourbons and those were all about one hundred and fifty dollars. so this is their first kind of baseline release and it is incredible and the value is definitely there
1: so uh, i I like the bardstown pick um that's a, a little bit of a wild card uh, I mm-hmm. think Connor mm-hmm. in in
0: all these because that might be
1: one that yeah, that that some of the folks maybe haven't even heard of, mm-hmm. um, but I have seen these at Total Wine, um, so they're they're not hard to get necessarily. Yeah, they might be a, a slightly harder to get than some of the new. other ones. They're newer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so where are we at? Is that four? That's four. So all that's right, number our, five. Let's do our number five.
0: So number five, we drink all this too, which is, <laughs> is going to be Knob Creek Nine Year. Mm. Ah. So this is a hundred proof comes out of the beam distillery. And, you know, once again, the value is definitely there. It's about a $25 bottle. It is absolutely delicious. And that's going to get you sent down the beam rabbit hole of all the Knob Creek lines. They also got the bookers. Um, but this, I mean, you can't go wrong with the Knob Creek 9.
1: And I gotta tell you, Connor, that the the bourbon that got me hooked, I don't know, seven years ago or so mm-hmm. that got me hooked on bourbon was Knob Creek single barrel. Which is just is the same thing, but it just mm-hmm. comes from a single barrel. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe what we could do, just real quick, and Jordan, you can chime in on this as well, is you've got burp, you got bourbon, blended bourbons and mm-hmm. bourbons, and then you've got single barrel, and then you've got barrel proof.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you explain those three things real quick? Yeah. So the single barrels, pretty self-explanatory. That's just one barrel that they emptied out. They bottled it. They haven't blended it with anything. So a small batch is going to be they take a bunch of barrels of the same age statement and they blend them into this big uh, metal vat and then they bottle them all. So the reason they like doing those small batches is because you're able to deliver a consistent flavor profile. Every barrel is going to have a ton of variation in flavor based on just the wood, then also where it's actually at in the barrel aging rickhouse. So... They're able to nail a consistent product with that small batch. So the single barrels, you get a lot more variation, which people love and sometimes people hate. And then, oh, and also going to the barrel proof. Barrel proof proof is, um, so on those two last things, typically they're going to water them down with some water. and So they're consistent. Yeah, and and so it lowers the proof and also they're able to make a lot more product. And a lot of people that are getting into it don't prefer the higher proof things anyway the barrel proof is just straight from the barrel. They don't dilute it at all. It is 100% of that proof that came out of that barrel. That's
2: where the confusion can come in because it's straight from the barrel, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a single barrel. Like You you could still combine a few mm-hmm. barrels together like you were talking about yeah. earlier, yeah. but you're just doing it at the barrel proof. You're not watering it down. But then, of course, there's single barrel barrel proof, yeah. which would be the combination of the two. It's mm-hmm. just literally that barrel not watered down.
1: Single mm-hmm. barrel. Now, just uh, not to go down uh, too big of a rabbit trail here, but- Four roses, which isn't it part of our our five gateway bourbons mm-hmm. but four roses does have a really neat um, barrel proof sort of line mm-hmm. where each sort of barrel proof is a different slightly different mash bill yeah and and what I think what's tricky about that is if you guys see um, four roses single barrel on the shelf, it looks identical to the Four Roses Single Barrel Barrel Proof. Mm-hmm. The only difference is it, there's a words on there that say barrel proof. But that, those that's a fun way and to... And yeah. usually
2: the Single Barrel Barrel Proof doesn't have the
1: uh, leather the leather, strap. There's a, like a little leather strap on there. But that's a fun way to go if you're interested in the barrel proof stuff. Yeah, Because you might find one of those... Mm-hmm. A sort of mash bills, recipes, as Connor said, mm-hmm. and you might just absolutely love that. But the fun thing about that, Connor, is each time you get a barrel-proof version of the Four Roses
0: single barrel, it's a, it could be a, an entirely different experience. Yeah, so Four Roses are doing something super cool. They've got five different yeasts that they use in these—it's In these, it's all the same mash bill. But they have five different types of yeast. Um, oh it's no! They the have yeast. two.
2: They have two mash bills. Five yeasts makes for ten recipes. Right? Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, so two different mash bills. So it's ten different total recipes. Um, all their single barrel. I forgot the exact recipe, but it's the same recipe. But all their single barrel barrel proofs. That's when you can get the full ten. So those are a little bit harder to find. Yeah, um, they are, you know, and the, it's tricky. Like I said, because mm-hmm. you see it on the shelf, and you're like, "Oh, I got it," but it's. Yeah. You got to make sure you're getting the
1: actual barrel proof version.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's really crazy how much just a different yeast strain can create a completely different flavor profile. Absolutely. Connor,
1: do
2: you know much about the filtering process? Uh, We've got a commenter wondering the difference between uncut, unfiltered and non-chill filtered.
0: Yeah, so chill filtered is when they... So when you get a whiskey out of the barrel, it's got oil in it. Um, And a lot of distillers say, you know, that's where all the flavor is. And they will have it non-chill filtered. But some distilleries will actually cool it down and then filter it and get out all those kind of oils and, and fats that are in the whiskey. And the main reason is because when someone buys a bottle of, you know, non-chill filtered whiskey and they put it in their car and it and it's snowing that day, it will actually get really cloudy and look pretty unappetizing. And so they will remove that for that reason. You know every distillery has a different kind of ideology over what they prefer, what works best with their whiskey, but essentially you know that's the difference
2: usually the barrel proof ones are not are non chill filtered and uh, that's my jam mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm all about that.
1: By the way, we uh, didn't even mention Matt, our studio audience. Matt, how are you
3: doing tonight, buddy? Doing good. Just Matt- uh, sipping on Connor's bourbons. Uh, what are you What are
1: you smoking tonight, Matt?
3: I've got a Dojo Dogma Ten.
1: Dojo Dogma Ten, Jordan. What have you What are you smoking tonight?
2: I'm smoking. Uh, I've got a McAuliffe, uh Torcedores.
1: All right, a I Fox am box
2: press guy here.
1: I'm smoking a uh, sun grown Dojo Dogma. There we go. And Connor, what do you got going?
0: I've got an Arturo Fuente Rosada Gran Reserva. <laughs> I got to say, of
1: all of... The, I mean, I think most people that watch this show know this, but I'm just going to say it anyways because maybe there's some new viewers tonight. Mm. There is no better cigar pairing, in my opinion, than bourbon. And I know yeah. you you'd probably would expand this, Connor, to just say mm-hmm. whiskey in general. Mm-hmm. It's like all... You know, all bourbons are whiskeys, all Canadian whiskey is whiskey, all Irish whiskey is whiskey, all Scotch is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon, right? Mm -hmm. Like, bourbon is bourbon. And there used to be some really astringent—is that the right word, Jordan? There used to be some really tight rules on what could be called bourbon, but that's sort of loosened up over the years.
0: Um, You know, the the rules haven't changed since, I want to say— Because it used to—it had to be made in Kentucky— But now that's not the case. Yeah, so all bourbon has to be is just made in America. 51% corn or up in the mash bill. And then also has to be aged in a a new charred oak barrel. So it doesn't have to be American oak, but it does have to be charred. And that is the only regulations for bourbon. I saw that somebody asked here. Let's see here. Somebody asked. uh, John... Asked what is bonded. So there's some sub
2: I was gonna get to that. Let me <laughs> let me produce over here. No,
3: <laughs> right.
0: So there's some subcategories of, way ahead of the He's curve. Way ahead. <laughs> He's way ahead of the curve. <laughs> there's some subcategories of bourbon. Uh bonded is is pretty much during the around the Prohibition era, you know, right before and, and during after as well, there was a lot of distillers that were creating a faux bourbon. So people associated a darker color with the higher quality bourbon. So they were adding these chemicals and even like shoe polish to darken the color of their whiskey. I love shoe polish. Increase, you know, the the consumer perception that it's been aged longer. So all these distilleries got together that were actually making the good stuff. And they said, we want some regulations over, you know, some verbiage of what we can call our high-quality bourbons. So they released the bottled and bond act of 19 something. I don't remember the year. And all that means is it's been aged at least four years. In a government bonded warehouse, so that means that they've actually certified that it has been aged that that old by a government official, and then it also has to be bottled at a hunter proof. So it's all the same regulations as bourbon, but it adds those two requirements. And that's interesting too, because
1: um, <laughs> in cigars, uh, there's sections. If you have a warehouse in Miami or something, there's sections that are bonded that are, that are also bonded mm-hmm. under the government regulation to make sure that it is what it's, it says it is and it's text appropriately and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So there there are a lot of similarities in the bourbon world and in the cigar world and bonded mm-hmm. is in a way one of those things. It's just a regulated mm-hmm. sort of way of making sure that it, it actually is what it says it is. And and as as much as maybe, you know, I might be against government regulation, there are some government <laughs> regulation that is a good thing and, We do want to make sure that we're not getting sold something that isn't what it says it is. And that is one of the great things about a Merck.
0: Merck. If you go to a
2: lot of the older distilleries like Jack Daniels and stuff, they'll still have like – they used to have like an office where like the government guy would just be there every single day. And now Mm -hmm. they don't really use that anymore. But like it's just interesting to see.
1: So, folks – uh, when we come back from our commercial break, we're gonna uh, take those five bourbons that we just discussed. Uh, go over them real quick again, uh, Connor. We got the Wild Turkey One Hundred One,
0: and then Elijah Craig Small Batch, and then Bardstown Bottled and Bond. We got Knob Creek Nine Year, and the Old Forrester One Hundred. Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> How could you forget? So I'm we're, gonna, sorry. we're gonna studio <laughs> bourbon.
1: We're gonna take those now. If you're if you like those, we're gonna. Take you up a couple notches for each one mm-hmm. to let you know. Okay, here's where you can go from there. Like, um, if you if you dig this flavor, like obviously, a Knob Creek is a little different than Old Forester, and so on and so forth. So when you find one that you like, Connor, when you find sort of uh, that sort of flavor that you prefer, almost like mm-hmm. um, if you if you like Habano cigars, or if you like a Maduro, or if you like a Connecticut sometimes then then you want to go on that track yeah and you want to find out okay where do i go from here yeah. like i really like this connecticut but now i want to take it up a couple what's knots. The best Connecticut. what's the best connecticut yeah. so we're going to do the same thing with bourbons when we come back from Ooh. the commercial break so until then remember that this show folks is sponsored By JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. Enjoy the best prices on your favorite brands, such as Romeo y, Julieta, Monte Cristo, Crown Heads, Davidoff, and many more. Make sure to try one of their exclusive lines, such as the Jewel Estate Nightshade, or my favorite, the limited edition cigar dojo 10th anniversary champagne by perdomo celebrate over 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today by the way guys there are still boxes of the cigar dojo perdomo 10th anniversary champagne at jr cigars you can order them 80 bucks off of jr cigars i would go do that right now before they're all gone because i know there's not that many left um Thank you to JR Cigars for uh, sponsoring uh, Smoke Night Live over the years. We are chatting with none other than Connor Slump of The Thirsty Oak, a relatively new, uh, you know, in the uh, YouTube universe for mm-hmm. uh, whiskey stuff, bourbon stuff. You don't just focus on bourbon, you focus on exactly. for all the different styles. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I dig, I, what I, I really like about your content, Connor, is it's short, it's it's digestible content that you mm-hmm. can get just, you know, in four or five minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's really the goal I strive for with it is just a few minutes every week. You can just learn something new about a new distillery, a new type of whiskey, and just expand your knowledge with really not wasting too much time.
1: Now, Connor, you were able to come with us um, to Camp Camacho mm-hmm. in, uh, was that February or was that March? It was March. Camacho! <laughs> What did, what did you think as a, a bourbon guy getting to go on a uh, cigar trip? What were your thoughts of
0: the whole Camacho experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was truly incredible. Um, just the scale of these operations and really the, the biggest culture shock and thing that I appreciated most was the people. Just the factory workers that were working the farm, the rollers, all these people were so passionate about what they were doing. You know, I kind of get the the sense that if we did something like this in America, people just aren't as passionate about it. Um, and everyone was so happy to see you there. Every there were smiles everywhere, and and had a ton of passion in the work that they do. Now you get to blend your own cigar. Mm-hmm. How did it come out? Amazing! It was actually <laughs> the best of the trip. <laughs>
1: I'm assuming that you're, you've Wait been you've been trying to get Camacho to sell your blend, you know, Connor's yeah. blend.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I actually um I'm working on Connor Unleashed of, Factory unle- Connor Factory Unleashed. Yeah, I'm sending a you know a contract over for three million dollars and then get my blend that I made, after Camp Camacho. It's that good. All right,
1: folks. So it's the five top gateway bourbons, but we're not stopping there. We're gonna go on, and we are gonna let you know where you can go from there. Oh yeah. So Connor, let's do our very first one. I think the first one that we showed was Wild Turkey One Hundred One. Wild Turkey One Hundred One. That's right. So nice. where if do we you, go from there? If you like the what, which I'm drinking right now, it's absolutely delicious. For what was it? Twenty five bucks. <sighs> Twenty five bucks. Where do we go uh, if you're
0: if you dig the Wild Turkey One Hundred One? Mm-hmm. Where do you go from there? What's mm-hmm. the next step up? So the next step up, there's you got two options. Option number one, which is gonna be pretty much everywhere is gonna be wild turkey rare breed yeah. oh yeah now this is gonna be about 50 to 60 bucks it's a step up in proof it's a step up in flavor I like to think of it as wild turkey 101 on steroids
2: 102 <laughs> 102
0: <laughs> but it's 116 <laughs> 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 um and, and this is this is an incredible bourbon I mean it's see if you can get a good focus on there let's get a good focus on it. See if you can get it oh, oh who it's, who how it's not why? Made. That was Connor. That's not me. There it
1: is. (laughs) Right there.
0: I think a lot of people have probably seen that bottle. Oh, yeah.
1: Right? Oh, yeah.
0: Incredible whiskey. There was actually a bit of a shortage um, in this last year because they ran out of bottles. They didn't run out of whiskey. They ran out of the actual bottles they put it in. So it's starting to make its rounds again. Um, I'm seeing it pop up pretty much everywhere. And this is, I mean, it's really just Wild Turkey 101 on steroids. If you like the flavor profile of the 101, you're going to love this. But... There's also another way you can take this, which mm. is going to be a Russell's single barrel pick. Now, I don't have that with me today, but those are going to be... We drank oh. it before the show. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's like a step up from this. That, that would Yeah, it would be a step up from this for sure. Um, a little bit harder to find, about 90 bucks. And I mean, you're there's no one that's going to taste that that's not going to love what's in there.
1: And now, remind me of the distillery of this one again.
0: This is all going to be at the, the Wild Turkey Distillery. So they have their own uh, situation. Yeah, yeah. Now a lot of these
1: um a lot of bourbons, uh especially local ones, um they'll they'll essentially buy their juice, so to speak, and then maybe age them uh, like Smoke Wagon is an example mm-hmm. where they they buy juice from was it, MGP, it's like a big Um so
0: the- MGP is Midwestern Grain Product. Um that's I want to say Indiana. Uh, and it's yeah. this huge yep. company. They don't actually have any of their own brands, um, but they just sell barrels to these micro distilleries, the people that just want to build the brands. Um, Penelope is a good example of that. They were all buying, they were just buying MGP product, finishing it in different casks and selling it. Um, MGP actually just purchased their distillery for a crazy amount of money. So now I guess they do want to distill But this, uh, like Smoke Wagon, for example, they actually buy. The distillate from Buffalo Trace. Oh, from Buffalo, and then yeah. they barrel age it. Uh,
2: that's in, what uh, Las Vegas Bowman Brothers do the same thing, right? Uh, but they take mm-hmm. it to
0: Virginia. Yeah, so that's the the Blanton's Mashville. I think that it's actually better whiskey. Than now Blanton's, we
1: we but... didn't even talk just about regular Buff Trace as one of our mm-hmm. entry level, which we certainly could have included. Could uh, have been one yeah. uh, because that obviously has a whole tree of bourbons that come from there. They're one of the most famous, mm-hmm. you know, distillate. But why didn't you pick? buff trace in these in this opening round i didn't pick
0: buffalo trace because i feel like everybody already knows about buffalo trace and you know other guys are doing things that are just as good their higher end releases are incredible but they are so hard to find i mean you know their their buffalo trace antique collection goes from anywhere from one to three thousand dollars per bottle it's just craziness and that's where it really starts getting incredible um, so, I mean, I, I think their stuff is good, but it's not light years ahead of any of this other stuff. I think this this other stuff is just as good.
2: Well, and, like, just a regular bottle of Buffalo Trace can actually be kind of hard to find these days, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and I'm not—honestly, I'm not a huge fan of Buffalo Trace, just the standard offering. I would much rather drink any of these other five gateway bourbons that I brought up over Buffalo Trace.
1: Now, while we're on this topic of Buff Trace, um, because, obviously, everybody knows, like you said, everybody knows Buff Trace. Um, But that does bring up a good point because there are a a, a thing called store picks Mm -hmm. and um, a store pick is essentially the individual liquor store. uh, They might get samples of like five or six Mm -hmm. uh, different barrels from Buff Trace and then they pick one of those. And I've always found, Connor, I don't know if you agree with me or not on this, but it seems like the store picks can can be amazing. Oh, like yeah. If you find a really good... Oh, yeah. Like there's, like for instance, if you're in the Tampa area and you go to uh, what the Corona Corona Cigar, it used to be the Davidoff Lounge. It isn't anymore. It's just Corona Cigars in Tampa. Um, Tommy is their bourbon guy. He's an amazing guy. He, he's an absolutely bourbon expert. And his store pick of Buff Trace, Connor, is nothing like you would get mm-hmm. in a regular liquor store. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean these store picks. They essentially they get to taste you know five to six different barrels, and they get to pick the best one. So, you know, and sometimes people even go further and they'll say uh, none of these are sufficient, and they'll keep tasting more barrels. So, there's a ton of variation in barrels, and this just proves it. If you find a good store or maybe a club that you know you like their profile, you you like their their taste preferences. Always get their store picks. It's,
1: it's a, a little bit like if you find a um, a cigar review site like yep. a Cigar Coupe or or whatever, and you ah, I thought you would have said Cigar dojos and yeah. you um, crazy. Well, I didn't want <laughs> I didn't want to just toot our own horn too much, but if if you if you tend to agree, like oh, like it seems like everything that they rate highly, I like. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the same in bourbon, right? Like if if your local store maybe you have three or four you know local uh, liquor stores that you go to, mm-hmm. and one of them. Their store picks are always good. That's a good sign that they have a similar sort of uh, preference that you might. And Mm -hmm. and so I would pick up every store pick I could from that particular. We actually
2: got to do the barrel pick process ourselves at uh, High West Distillery once, huh, Dad? Mm.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. We were
2: actually at the distillery. We go over, find a barrel, they bring it down. You open up the bunghole. Mm -hmm. You stick a giant wine thief in the bunghole. Yeah. I know I'm saying some crazy things. <laughs> but pull it was pull the you bourbon right
1: out us. of there. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. So yeah, yeah, The store picks are a great way
0: um, yeah. to try some stuff.
1: All right, so oh, our yeah. next, uh, let's go step up for our next let's, one, Old let's Forester. Stay in the store picks. All right, I like
0: where we're going with the store picks. Um, so and we'll, we talked I'll about Old, you an yeah. Old Forester 100, right? Old Forester 100. So how can you step up Old Forester 100? Well, there's there's two different mid tier bottles that I would consider. The first one, if you can find this, which you know, it really just depends. Do you have a store near you that is doing a lot of store picks? This old, I'll turn it around here. Old Forrester single barrel barrel strength. I've never had a bad Old Forrester single barrel barrel strength. I mean, know that bottle was full when he brought it over. <laughs> yeah. 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 So this one has kind of survived. There's a little What's bit of What's the proof
3: right? on this guy? Uh, no, so I
1: thought, I wait, I, not to like, not to like, circumvent what you're saying. Uh-huh. But I thought what we were going to do was go to Old Forester 1920.
0: There. Well, we'll get the, there. Oh, well, yeah. we'll I get thought there. that was I thought that was before You would this. think the 1920 would go first? They're all both right. on the same level, but we're really? in the store picks, so I kept all I right, mean, not right. the same one. This is better, but if you can't find the single barrel barrel strength, yeah, 1920, you cannot go wrong with a 1920. This once again, it's a huge step up from that 100. It's 115 proof. It's, it's a huge step up in flavor. I mean, this, you can never pour a bad glass. A lot a of a
2: disagreement between yeah. <laughs> uh, 1920
0: and 1910. 19- you know, 1910s, it's about 93 proof. I think 1910 is a great gateway bourbon, but it's at that higher price point. It's about 50, 55 bucks, depending on where you are. Whereas that 100, it's about half of that. So if you're going to step up in price, you might as well step up in proof. And I think that the 1920s is a great place to go from there.
1: I think that, you know, and I talked to Christopher Hart and I also talked to the bourbon junkies on the same exact topic when we've had them on the show. Old Forester is doing some of the best stuff in bourbon, and mm-hmm. mainly because. You know, like, Jordan and I were really into the whole Pappy's Chase and the whole Antique mm-hmm. Collection Chase for a long time. We would wait in lines and do all this sort of stuff. And eventually, I got burnt out on, yeah. on that. I got yeah. burnt out on the chase of it. You mm-hmm. know, it's sort of it's sort of like chasing the, the crazy, you know, tataway or the crazy Fuente or something. And after a while, you know, sometimes you're just like, you know what, I just want to go to the liquor store. <laughs> and I just want to buy something good. Mm-hmm. But what I like about Old Forrester, Connor, is... You can just go to the liquor store, and buy something really good. That these are both. I mean, I know, I know this this one is a is a little harder to get, mm-hmm. but they are
0: attainable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in 1920, I mean, it's pretty much at every liquor store. You see it everywhere. If you want to get something like a Blanton's, which is not nearly as good, don't tell anyone. <laughs> you gotta like sell your left arm for it. You gotta buy all these bottles, curate relationships, spend all your money at the same store. And it's just, I don't, I know, I'm truly burnt out too. When I got into whiskey, it was, Blanton's was like the creme de la creme of whiskey. And once I tried it, it, you know, it squished that curiosity pretty quickly. And I realized it's all just kind of pop culture hype around that bottle. You know, it was on Joe Rogan. It's a cool bottle. (laughs) It's a cool bottle, but I think that's where it ends.
3: It's crazy,
2: like, not that long ago, when we got into Old Forester, it was probably like 2014 or 15. It was actually hard to get, like, even the Hunter Proof mm-hmm. and the 86, we went to every liquor store in the entire area. Nobody had it. Uh, now, mm-hmm. it's just everywhere.
0: Now, it's everywhere. Um,
2: yeah. But we do have a question. Um, yes, question. Mike Hakins, uh when you step up and proof that much, do you cut it with drops of uh, drops of water, I'm guessing, is what he's saying there? All
1: right, I'll start, and then we'll mm-hmm. go around the room mm-hmm. to, to Matt and Jordan and Connor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't... Um, Mike, I prefer it neat, almost, I never add water, I never add ice, mm-hmm. I never add stones. I let the bourbon do the talking. If it's a stronger bourbon, I just take a smaller sip and just let the bourbon. let
2: your saliva be those drops of water. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly, that's what I do. Matt, how do you, have Have you dabbled in adding uh, no, water?
3: Yeah, no, I don't really add the water. I did it with Connor one time when we were doing a tasting just because he said it's a thing to do. It was kind of fun. <laughs> But I yeah. generally, like you do, I, I'll take smaller sips. If it's if it's higher, i hotter. I'll take a little smaller sips, and that does it for mm-hmm.
2: me. Yeah. I, think, I mean, a lot of guys, you know, like the higher end reviewers and stuff, they will, they do say it will open up, open up flavors mm-hmm. in the whiskey that you wouldn't have gotten before. Uh, and those, especially on those higher Mm -hmm. proof ones. Uh, I do think that like you might get like some more aromatic, aromatic qualities to it, but I I want to be
3: punched in the face.
0: I want the nectar of the gods. And, and it's all, you know, in moderation too. even guys that are really into the high. Hey, hear me out here. (laughs) If you add just a few drops, not enough to truly drop that proof of the whiskey, it actually creates a bit of a chemical reaction in that glass. Those oils Will separate and they will, you know, open up and float to the top. And the mm-hmm. next sip you get is going to be even more concentrated in that flavor than what you're typically used to. So a few drops is not going to really lower the proof, but it will increase the flavor. If you're adding quite a bit of water, though, it's going to drop it down. And to kind of answer that question, um, you know, should you add if you're really making a big step up in proof? You know, it comes down to just what your preference is. If it's too hot off the start, yeah, you probably should add a little bit of water. But try to, you know, eventually you'll work your way out of it. And, you know, it all will come naturally, um, kind of in cigars too. You just work your way up in strength. And, you know, most people start in the Connecticut, they work their way to the darker, more strong cigars, and they eventually prefer that stuff. But, you know, at the start it might be a little bit off-putting and kind of blow their palate out. But eventually you get used to that stuff. What is in, the you
1: know, uh, what's the strongest proof bourbon that you've had.
0: It was Jordan's William the Rueller, which he keeps Ooh. in his closet <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. brings out on special occasions. That was a good year.
2: The the highest proof one, I, there's, this, um, there's this old bar here in Denver. Um, I can't think of the name of it at the time, but uh, they've got just like, you can pick, you know, George Eastag from any year. They've got like all the years of all the high-end stuff. And they had this Bowman's Brothers bottle. Uh, that's the Virginia stuff that ages Buffalo Trace. Uh, in Virginia, and they had this bottle of it. It was barrel-proof. for It was 160 proof.
0: Oof. Which, by the way, is the maximum legal requirement to be called bourbon. So um, anything else is called gasoline. <laughs> so a little fun experiment I'm doing. I'm actually barrel-aging some Everclear, which is going to be 190 <laughs> proof. So it's, it's illegal bourbon, essentially, because it's made of the same mash bill. It's made out of grain and corn, mainly corn. So it's a bourbon mash bill. I'm going to be barrel aging it at home and I'm going to be tasting the world's strongest illegal bourbon. So I guess stay tuned. That'll come in about three months. Now that's
1: an interesting thought because you, you can buy these smaller barrels. They're almost like personalized barrels that you can put stuff Mm -hmm. in. And we've done the same experiment here in the dojo. We had a Franken bourbon that we, we did, but what we, we did wrong in, in, in our experiment, Connor was, uh, because it's so dry in Colorado, yeah, we didn't. It this is when mm-hmm. we didn't understand what was going on. Now we would keep that maybe like in another container that was humidified or something, yeah. But yeah. it was, it was, it's so dry in Colorado that the angels share, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, the stuff that evaporated out, it, it evaporated out way, way yeah. too much. Yeah. Like, if you go to a typical distillery, say in Colorado where it's dry, or even Las Vegas or someplace like that, uh, Arizona. They'll be uh, strongly humidifying the barrels. Mm -hmm. So if you do get a, if you do get buy one of those sort of secondary market small barrels, which is a totally fun experiment, Mm -hmm. which I'm I'm assuming that that's what you're doing with the Everclear, Mm -hmm. you got to really make sure that you're humidifying that barrel so that it's the the wood and the oak stays strong and thick and it doesn't lose Mm -hmm. too much.
0: Yeah, because when it dries out, you're just going to lose too much of that evaporation and. Uh, distilleries in Colorado where the climate's really dry, there's two different things that they do. Some distilleries will actually humidify their, their barrel aging warehouses like strand hands, but then some will actually just leave the ground exposed, the natural earth on the, on the rickhouse and the ground actually just naturally humidifies it for them. Um, so Leopold bros is an example of a distillery that does that, but it's really important in a dry climate that your barrels aren't drying out and you're losing a ton of that. The typical Percentage of angel share in Kentucky is about five percent, and Leopold Bros. Just with the ground humidification, they're sitting at about five to six percent. So
1: I also isn't Leopold Brothers also the same uh, Uh, distillery that just sort of allows the natural yeasts from Colorado to sort of come into their um, mash bills to change the flavor and uh, the ultimate mash the ultimate product. Just by allowing the natural yeasts and stuff to also flow in to their mash bill, that that's a really cool idea. I don't, I, I've never been a huge Leopold guy, but it's mm-hmm. fun to experiment to try some of their stuff because they do some of these neat things, like yeah. you're saying.
0: Yeah, and they came from a, a brewer's background. They, you know, they started their career out in the beer industry. So, you know, the beer industry is super creative with the yeast and the fermentation process that they do. So, I think they're trying to implement some of that into the whiskey.
1: All right, so we've done uh, the step up for wild turkey. We've done the step up for old forester. Uh, what's the next one on the list? So the next one on the list.
0: Let's see here. So we we said Elijah Craig small batch. Yes, well, you know there's a common trend here. You can get
1: Elijah Craig small batch any literally anywhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe even your grocery store. Probably. Mm-hmm.
2: Probably even Costa Rica.
0: Probably there. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. So the I mean the common trend here is we're stepping up in proof and, and we're doing that again. And we're we're gonna be coming up with the Elijah Craig barrel proof. Mm. Now this year it's a 12-year-old bourbon. Now they actually just decided to drop the age statement. So now it might be 11 what? years, 10 years, who knows? Um, but it's about a $70 bottle. And I mean it's it's this bottle sitting at this is the A122, it's sitting at about 120 proof. Mm. I mean, it really just kind of, you know, it's it's small batch on steroids. It's I I mean it's there's so much more flavor, it's so concentrated, and it's well, I'm gonna so pour balanced.
3: Some.
0: I'm gonna pour <laughs> some <something> right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll kind of you know dig into that subject a little bit deeper too about Elijah Crick dropping the age statement. And to be honest, I don't think that is a bad thing. A lot of people perceive that as a bad thing. But looking at the eyes of a distiller, someone who's actually managing this this barrel warehouse is every barrel has a different point where it will peak. Older is not always better. Older can sometimes make whiskeys a lot worse. For example, in the Elijah Craig 18 year, I've had one of those and they're all single barrels and it was incredible. But then I had another one, which was the one I bought and it is terrible. It is so harsh. It is not balanced. There's just these harsh oak tannins. It's very off-putting. And so by then dropping the age statement, you know there's a sense of loss of transparency that people fear but it gives those those distillers a lot more flexibility to pick a barrel and bottle it when it's at its peak and i think it's really going to improve the flavor it's going to make a more consistent product cuz right. you know if you're higher up in a distillery you know in a barrel aging warehouse versus lower the temperature variations are much different and that barrel has a much different schedule of breathing those temperature fluctuations are different so by allowing them to pick it when they think it's ready I think that's going to be an improvement.
2: Now they can pick the right barrel without having to force it Mm -hmm. into an age statement. Like it just might be a better barrel. I
1: I actually think, the the, the, to me, the best example of this is the most famous bourbon of all, which we have to mention is Pappy Van Winkle, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And you have the uh, 10-year, which isn't really Pappy Van Winkle. It's just...
0: Yeah, the old rip 10-year. It's old rip Mm -hmm.
1: 10-year. And then you have the 12-year, which also isn't... Technically, Pappy Van Winkle.
2: But it does mm-hmm. come in... Uh, right. does come in boxes
1: that say Pappy Van Winkle. It does. There's some, yeah. There's that's, uh, that's that's, that argument here. There's this gray area there. But then you have 15, 20, and 23. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, like, people that really know their bourbon tend to like the 15. Oh, yeah. Because the, the older ones, 20 uh, good. 23, it's ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. And it's not nearly as
0: good. Yeah. And... They dilute it down to 90 proof. So retail, it's about a $450 bottle. Secondary, it's about a three to $5,000 bottle. It is super over-oaked. It's harsh. The, the real appeal in the Pappy Van Winkle line is the rarity, the status that is associated with drinking it. I don't know anyone that's drinking Pappy Van Winkle and hasn't posted about it on the internet for everyone to see. I mean, it's, it's really just flex, but anyone who's really, I mean, and, and a lot of people will prefer the 15 too, because yeah, they that's think what that's, I say. That's I say the, the 15 spot. is the sweet spot. Yeah. It, you know, older is not always better. A lot. There's a lot of variables. All right. So, uh, Elijah Craig, uh, now we, did we,
1: uh, do we cover everything on Elijah Craig or is there a, a step up from that?
0: Oh, there's a step up. And so Elijah Craig is the Heaven Hill distillery and they've got a Heaven Hill 17 year, which is absolutely a step up from the barrel proof, you know, huge step up in rarity as well. Uh, If you can find it, absolutely get it. It comes in a beautiful box. It's the heritage collection. It's got an awesome display. Um, And and so if you can see that, get it right. If you love the heaven hill products, that's the distillery that you prefer most that maybe it's worth, you know, trying to hunt one of those bottles down. All All right.
3: Yeah. And then the, 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 the whale is the 17 year. The 17 year is the one
0: yeah so yeah well they've got a that's absolutely the well they've got a 20 year that they just released as well but that is all a corn bourbon so have you ever heard of mellow corn oh yeah that is the same mash bill as mellow corn <laughs> for 20 years and you know it's kind of a fun thing to try but um everyone you know that i've heard of prefers a 17 year
1: all right excellent let's go on to our next selection uh this is the the gateway of what
0: we're in Knob Creek
1: now. Knob Creek. Knob here Creek. we go. This is the single, the like the next step up for me <laughs> as a uh, personally was just regular Knob Creek single barrel, which 120 proof got me hooked
0: on bourbon. So we've got the single barrel barrel select. Now this it's about the, these are typically about ten to twelve years, 120 proof. You know they they do vary sometimes, but this is an incredible value. These are around fifty dollars. Step up in proof step up in flavor if you love the knob creek line you definitely got to try this and they're pretty you know i wouldn't say everywhere but if you've got a liquor store that's doing these barrel picks they should have one of these that's
2: a- that's sort of like a new develop or not new but like newer like back in the day when we were getting into bourbon it was knob creek knob creek single barrel bakers bookers mm-hmm. right and yeah. so now they've kind of i mean you can't even find bookers anymore right like now, yeah, I mean, And they've
1: raised the price a ton. It's a
2: ton. Yeah. So yeah. now it feels like they're really focused in on, on Knob Creek and you have tons of different varieties of just Knob Creek.
1: Yeah. They, they had a, 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 disa- a marketing disaster. Oh, yeah. When they decided to uh, just arbitrarily raise the price of Booker's ridiculously and nobody bought it. Like literally just everybody just rebelled. The entire bourbon community. <laughs> I wish they the, do that more Rebelled. They won
2: out in that debate though. It was like.
1: They did eventually like, win
3: they out. They raised
2: the price and then everyone was like, no. And they were like, okay, we were just kidding. And then they just <laughs> yeah. like, well, what we're going to do is just take away all the bookers entirely and, and then you'll yeah. want it for $100 or whatever we happen to charge for it.
0: Yeah. And bookers is, they're typically younger age statements. I personally don't like bookers. In general, and then you get the the price associated with they're they're about a hundred dollars retail. You know, people pay up to, tw- to twice that in the secondary market, depending on the batch. But I just find they're hot. You Nutty. know, uh, you know, high proof doesn't always mean hot. Some will drink like they're a lower proof. Those flavors will really speak to you. But sometimes you get to a higher proof, and it's just hot and harsh. And I think that Booker's is hot and harsh. It doesn't feel like it's fully matured. You've got the Knob Creek single barrel barrel picks that are 10 to 12 years, 120 proof. You get a Booker's, they're $100. They're sometimes as young as six years, and I just, I don't think they're nearly as good. Now, this is the Beam factory, right? Yeah,
1: this is this is the so Beam distillery. what if somebody asked you, Connor? Factory. Uh, <laughs> what did I say? Factory. Uh, all right, whatever. Cigars. Factory. Yeah, yeah. That's how we what, talk about cigar so, What if somebody asked you, what is the difference between Jim Beam uh, that is one of the highest selling bourbons Mm -hmm. in the world and
0: Knob Creek. Mm. What would, what would you say? I mean, you can have this and you know, they have different mash bills. They have, they're in different locations. There's such subtle differences that make a strong difference in the flavor profile of a bourbon. So each distiller is going to have kind of these unique flavor profiles that, that really make them, you know, it encapsulates their brand. And so they're both bourbons and some people might drink both and not be able to tell the difference. They're really similar in Mashville. Um, but I mean, truly it's just these small differences make all the difference in, in the flavor
1: of my, my brother once told me if you're spending more than $7 and 50 cents on a (laughs) bottle of bourbon, you're a nut. (laughs) And I, of course I think he's a nut, but, um, I I,
2: I feel like it's similar. You can use the Pappy's uh, argument again, like, um, some guys will say, but Pappy's, it's, it's the same thing as uh, Weller. Like, yeah, it's the same yeah. mash bill, but mm-hmm. like, if you're, if you have a guy that's going in and finding all the best barrels and only blending from those, it's going to be a better product. It's the same thing with, with well, I mean, there's a different yeah. proof between Knob Creek and, and Beam as well, but like, yeah. if you just have somebody going in and finding better barrels and only blending those and leaving with Beam, they just take literally whatever barrels they, they can find and just and put them in a tank and that's that's beam but with knob with you're having somebody go in and you choose a little bit more select
1: now yeah. jordan just brought up weller um uh, and and obviously weller special reserve antique 107 um why why didn't you include weller as one of the gateway bourbons
0: i don't think weller's nearly as good as people make it out to be i th- personally i find that the weller is one noted now this is Pretty much every weller after the the William Larue. I mean, William Larue is absolutely incredible, which everybody knows that. But uh, you know, the Special Reserve, it's one noted. It just it's it tastes green to me. Um, And there's so many better options in the weeded bourbon. You've got the Bardstown. I like Makers better than weller. And most people will blind taste these and say the same thing. It's got this amazing cherry note, but that's you know that's really all I'm able to get off of that weller.
1: All right, so you got Weller Special Reserve, you got Antique One Hundred Seven, and mm-hmm. you got Weller Twelve. Mm-hmm. These, those are the three that used to be on every shelf in every mm-hmm. liquor store in, in in the world. Out of those three, um, I've always preferred the One Hundred Seven as as the better of of those three. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on those
0: three? Yeah, I'd say the the One Hundred Seven is kind of the sweet spot. Yeah. Um, within the lineup, especially in terms of availability. The 107 the is going to be your step up over the special reserve, which there's a lot of you know states where the special reserves kind of becoming a commodity again. It's not nearly as rare as it once was made out to be. Um, and the 107 is just a step up in proof. I think it's a big step up in flavor. Um, you know, With that being said, I, w- I wouldn't pay over retail for that bottle. Uh, and then before
1: we end this particular topic and we get to our mm-hmm. last one, Um Woodford and makers. That's sort of like, if you, if you're at any casino, you, you know, here in Colorado or in Las Vegas, like sometimes that's almost like a well, you know, that's almost like their well version of bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows Woodford. Everybody knows makers. Um, just what do you think of their just standard offerings? Just the standard Woodford, the
0: standard makers. What are your thoughts on those two? Yeah. I, I think they're both incredible standard offerings. I mean, the, I mean, my typical thoughts on a lot of these is just a slight step up in, in the offerings from any distillery is going to be a huge difference. Like the, the standard maker's offerings to a maker's 46 um, or the maker's cast strength, or even the French oak is much bigger difference, um, which you'll really be able to tell, but it's a step up in price points. So, I mean, I think the base offerings of all of these distilleries are, are really good, but if you're really in an environment where you're able to sit down and, and think about these notes and savor these flavors... Then it might be worth to to step up a little bit in price point. All right, very good. And Uh, I got to say, the white well too of the Beam Distillery, um, not a you know not a huge white well like the Heaven Hill Seventeen Year, but um, if you want to really, if you love the Beam products, you love the Knob Creek lineup. If you're able to find one of these Knob Creek Eighteen Years, oh, there you go. Ooh, incredible! Look at you, incredible! Talk about that. (laughs) Talk about that guy. What does that go for? Um, so this, the retails about one hundred and sixty nine dollars. This was they're saying it's just a one off release. Secondary market right now is about three hundred dollars for this. If you're in some groups you're connected, you can get it for about two hundred. Um, but I mean, this a lot of bourbons you push to eighteen years, it's it gets you know too oaky, and the oak dominates that initial those initial flavors from that mash bill. The eighteen is really balanced. It's I mean, yeah. it's a fantastic product. If you love the Knob Creek, you're really going to be impressed by this 18-year. So you you definitely uh, lean towards that over the Booker's. Absolutely, yeah. That's much better. Did, we, right.
2: did we forget to go White Whale on Old Forester?
0: No. Um, we kind of did. We're going to circle back. You know, there's Birthday Bourbon. Oh, birthday, bourbon! <laughs> birthday Bourbon! Birthday <laughs> Bourbon! There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Jordan is very excited
1: about birth. and Birthday Bourbon. Yeah. That's another one, Connor, that um, was... It, there was a time that it was easy to get. Yeah,
0: it was a time not for everything, easy.
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> but not anymore. Now, birthday <laughs> yeah. bourbon comes in a different-looking bottle than cool your bottle. typical Old Forester. We're, mm-hmm. we're sort of circling back uh, on Old Forester, but it's a squatty bottle. Um, and this is one of those a little bit controversial because this one really Old Forester birthday bourbon really depends on the year. Like there are some years mm-hmm. that people are like, "Oh, you just cannot buy that." So. That's where when you get, when you talk about being involved in, you know, groups and, mm-hmm. you know, either on Facebook, or like bourbon junkies or, or some of these other, uh, Facebook groups or other Reddit groups, you can really glean a lot because, um, you know, they'll say like, oh, avoid uh, 2020, you know, birthday bourbon or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're so different mm-hmm.
0: each year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Being in those groups, you know, just having access to some sort of you know, reviewer that you really identify with their preferences, it's going to give you a lot of insight. Maybe it's not worth getting the 2022 birthday bourbon. It's not nearly as good as, as all their other releases. Um, so maybe it's not worth, you know, putting in the effort or paying the secondary pricing on that bottle. Cause they're always going to have, do you think there's a recency bias on some of those? Like, you know, like 2022,
1: Oh, it's, and then maybe like in 2024, 2025, when we're all sitting in this, doing the same mm-hmm. show, we'll, 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 Wax poetically about the 2022?
0: <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit, but there's people who will, will taste uh you know 2022 whiskey and say this is the best it's ever been. Um, so it's not always the the mindset that they don't make it like they used to. Um, it, it there there truly is a lot of variability from year to year. Do you
1: often wax poetically?
0: No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, what's our last one of the night? Um, so we went into, let's see here, um, the Bardstown. Bardstown, so we yes. We talked about the Bottom and Bond. Yes. We drank. What's a step up from that? step up from there. I mean, it's going to be any of their Discovery Series. Put this up here. They're on Ooh, their number nine right that. now, which is a white label. It's got a red stripe through the middle. But, I mean, really, any of these Discovery Series are incredible. This is what actually created the hype around Bardstown because when they, you know, when they were created, when they, then they built ground on the distillery, they weren't ready to release a product yet that they actually distilled themselves. So they started out, they built their brand on blending and buying barrels. So this is, this is a ton of different barrels. I think there's, It's 31% Kentucky, 13-year, 25% Tennessee, 17-year, 25% Kentucky, 7-year, 19% Kentucky, 6-year. So there's a bunch of different barrels in these batches, um, you know, varying age statements. And they're really incredible offerings. This is what, you know, got the hype around Bardstown. And they're about $150 bottles. So they they definitely are a step up from the origin series. Um, But, you know, so if, if you love what Bardstown's doing, I've never had a bad Bardstown.
1: Now, if you really wanted to go crazy with Bardstown, what would you do?
0: He, this is about as crazy as it gets in Bardstown right. right now. There's no super rare white whale except for maybe their earlier batches that, you know, happened six, seven years ago just because they're old and, you know, with age comes a rarity. Um, but really, I mean, any modern day Bardstown, um the the Discovery series are gonna be amazing. And they also do um, some collaborative series where they actually you know, they do the same thing. They buy the barrels. They're all MGP, come from Tennessee, Kentucky, and they will actually finish them in some sort of cast. So they'll collaborate with the distillery. Um, they did so a there's plan, a lot of
1: options with these. A
0: ton of options. They do like plantation rum uh, collabs where they will age their product in plantation rum barrels. They'll also do the Ferran, the the cognac. Um, they age it in their barrels. So, I mean, it's truly, if you see Bardstown, if you've, if you've got the money to spend it on any of these they're always worth it.
2: Do we 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 didn't go white whale on uh, wild turkey yet, right?
0: I think we might have skipped that one too. Got to go white whale. Mm, what's white whale? white, whale, for white? <laughs> whale? A wild turkey. Let me get here. I got a sample of one of them. Oh, we'll bring that up. Well, I might need to finish this so I can try that. So, wild turkey. There's two different ways you can go. Um, there's the wild turkey masters keeps, which are these limited releases that do you know special pro- barrel finishing and whatnot, and um, they come in these fancy boxes. Those are about two hundred dollars bottles. They're always amazing. So if you can see one of those, I definitely recommend getting them. You've also got the Russells Reserve Thirteen Year, which I've just gotten a little bit of oh, a sample teeny. here. Yeah, it's a They teeny should make bottle. it in a
2: regular bottle. They should make it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but both of these are are
2: now. What's yeah. that one again?
0: No, this is the Russells Reserve Thirteen Year.
2: That's the White Will.
0: Say this and the Masters Keep are kind of on the same, you know, the same tier.
2: I see the mm-hmm. Masters Keep on on the. Yeah you know, the, the groups all the time, but I don't see that one very often.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Connor, a uh, question. Uh, in the cigar world, you have guys that buy these, buy rare cigars mm-hmm. and they, the they flip them. You know, that that's <laughs> yeah. really all they're into oh, yeah. is yeah. buying. The I think, Jordan, it seems like, you know, maybe like eight years ago, this was like a little bit more popular of a thing oh, yeah. to do in cigars. Totally. It doesn't seem like it's quite as popular anymore. It seems like, I don't know if the secondary market has changed in cigars at all, but it just I'm just I'm just going on pers- my own perception it doesn't seem like I
2: think maybe there's just like so many cool, you know, craft brands that like you don't need to do that anymore like Yeah, it does just go get the new foundation release, you know.
1: It does it does seem that way. But I know in the bourbon world it is still definitely you know a thing. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that just buy simply to go on to the secondary market. I've never been I've never ever in my life sold Mm -hmm. any of my pappies or I've never sold any of my sort of rare, uh, bourbons. I've just drank them. Uh, what is sort of the perception of those guys in the bourbon world? Are they thought upon as, as kind of like jerks or, or what do you think of that?
0: It's half and half. Um, there's, there's a group that's absolutely against it. If, if your bottle's not open, then, you know, they don't like you. If you're not drinking your whiskey, then you're not doing what it was intended to, you know, what was intended to be done with that bottle. Um, but at the same time, there's people that, are buying that stuff constantly, and you see these crazy prices, and you're like, "What? Who's paying? People are paying that. Real estate wouldn't have it at these prices. I mean, Pappy goes for five thousand dollars because people are paying five thousand dollars. So there's a different level of you know uh, being a bourbon enthusiast, and the people that are buying those are either collectors or they just have a lot of money, mm. and and a lot of those people might might not even be that into bourbon. They just want what is the best, the rarest. What is what are people going to be the most jealous about? Um, it's a status sort <laughs> it's a of thing, status symbol. I, I don't mind
2: those guys because at least I know, like, if I if I truly wanted to get, I'm not going, I'm not going to spend that kind of money. But I know I could get it right, like, theoretically. Without those guys, I could, I yeah. just couldn't get it.
3: Yeah.
1: Now, um, Jordan, there was a time that like Buffalo Trace had very strict rules about that, mm-hmm. and you could not as a liquor store upsell your product mm-hmm. if you wanted to remain a buffalo trace allocated shop but yeah. i feel like that's been
2: i don't think that applies anymore i feel yeah. like
1: that's been
0: um
2: you could like turn them in and like they would just get yeah. like their pappies revoked you like- know <laughs> there was a
0: huge a huge lawsuit that's actually going on right now where a distributor a huge distributor of buffalo trace products were actually in, they were creating a system where you had to buy a bunch of other distilleries products to be able to get certain Buffalo Trace products. And obviously this does not benefit benefit Buffalo Trace at all. You know, you had to spend $1,000 or $10,000 on bottles from another distillery just to get a bottle of BTAC. Um, so they actually have completely, you know, cut ties with that distributor. Hopefully there's, there's a little bit more accountability in the liquor stores, marking this stuff up, but it's a tough thing to monitor as well. I,
1: I, I So I, I have a different take on that, Connor, a slightly different take. I think it's better now that they have re- um, loosened those standards because at least now you could theoretically go to a liquor store. Maybe I have to pay three times what I should, but that's easier than spending 20 times to some black market guy. So like... I kind of like that they've allowed liquor stores to sort of mark up some of these products. I and mean, yeah, do I do I want to just get it at retail? Of course, I want to get it at retail. But I want to be able to get but it. You can't. Mm-hmm. I wanted yeah. to be able. To, I want to be able to get it and not have to, you know, like really go crazy yeah. spending. So I, I sort of feel like that's a better way to go than you know uh, then keeping it so uh, you know, uh, dialed in and focused that it made the black black market so big. Now it seems like maybe this is you know hurting the black market a little bit and it's allowing the liquor stores. Because think about this. When, when Pappy was sort of in its heyday, people would call. There must have been probably a 1,000 calls a day to every liquor store. Hey, have you got your Pappy yet? Have you got your Pappy yet? Have you got your Pappy yet? And they have to sell it at retail. And they might only get six bottles of Pappy. So they're selling six bottles of Pappy at $95.00. And they're taking, you know, a thousand calls a day for two straight months, spending all of this resource into dealing with a product that they're only going to make a few hundred dollars on, allow them to at least benefit some. I sort of feel like it's it's better that they
0: loosen these standards. That's my yeah. opinion. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to monitor all these liquor stores. They, they've they always been marking up. They'll continue marking up. Um, but the main thing is just that they've been able to address as the distributor contact is because these liquor stores kind of felt obligated to do those things because they had to spend so much money on Fireball or you know, whatever product from these other distilleries just to be able to get a bottle of that. So they felt like they had to make back some of that money by marking it up. But it really all comes down to just you know the personal preference of the consumer. Some people will value the time over money and it's worth spending that extra money just to not have to drive around liquor stores for five hours every day just to try to find a bottle. But Some people, you know, make a second income from doing those driving around five hours every day. So it really just comes down to the individual consumer and what they value most.
1: Now, Connor, we could have gone a lot of different ways with our five gateway bourbons. Uh, Let's uh, mention a few others. We already talked about Buffalo Mm -hmm. Trace. Um, There's Four Roses floating around. We've Mm -hmm. talked about a little bit about Woodford. We've talked a little bit about um, Weller. uh, Weller. Mm -hmm. We've talked a little bit about uh, Maker's. Uh, but you also have some of these smaller brands, Smoke Wagon. You brought mm-hmm. some Redwood over the other day, that yeah. was really, really good. Yeah. There's some other up, sort of upcoming brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a little real quick before we end the show about some upcoming brands around the country um, mm-hmm. that are doing some good stuff. Uh, the, yeah. A lot of people love Stranahan's. It's not specifically a bourbon, mm-hmm. uh, but it is a very popular uh, whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there some upcoming brands that you would?
0: Yeah, point out to? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I'd say Bardstown kind of loosely falls in that category because they are new. They're a new modern distillery, but they are based out of Kentucky. Um, some other states, there's New Riff. Um, yeah, which, New Riff. And, and, uh, there, there's some good stuff out of New some Riff. good stuff, and I don't even remember where they, they come out of. Um, but then there's also Redwood Empire. They come out of California, um, and they have their standard offerings, which I think are pretty solid. They're around 40 to $50, but they've got the cast strength offerings, which are a huge step up. Those are about $70 a bottle. I think those are absolutely worth it. Those are about six to seven years old. So a lot of these, you know, craft kind of craft distillers, large craft distillers are starting to get these larger age statements and they're really starting to give these legacy distillers a run for their money.
1: Yeah. Like uh, I would still say to this day, most Colorado, there's a bunch of Colorado distilleries mm-hmm. that are popular. they got Laws and yeah. uh, 291 and mm-hmm. a few... And we had uh, Lenny on our show, yeah. uh, Eckstein, and he does Deerhammer. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're finally starting to catch up because I think initially, Connor, a lot of these local ones that weren't out of Kentucky uh, seemed really corn uh, heavy, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So what is it – how are they able to uh, start to finally – you know, narrow down these um, drinks so that it's a little bit more like what a bourbon mm-hmm.
0: drinker expects. Yeah. I mean, it it will never be the same, but over time, because whiskeys, you know, bourbon is such a long process from when you grow that grain, when you, you know, create those barrels, when you distill that spirit, and then it takes, uh, you know, quite a long time to age. So it really, it's just a time thing is all these distillers are finally time starting thing. to get some years under their belt. High West is an mm-hmm. example
1: where they just recently connor have started you know in the yeah. last maybe five years or so distilling their own product as mm-hmm. opposed to buying it and aging it,
0: yeah, like the midwinter Night's dram release all the way up to the the nine release they were using all other you know they were purchasing all their other barrels and then they were finishing it in port cast got their own distillery now they're starting to slowly blend in some of their own rye whiskey into the blends um and you know people. Uh, On the first release this year, the the 10 release, a lot of people weren't very happy with it because it was different. But it doesn't mean that it's worse. It's just different and it's something that they are going to have to, you know, any distillery just needs to focus on refining, which is, you know, takes time.
1: All right, Connor, before we wrap up the show, what is your, what if, if I said to you, Connor, you have to be on a desert island and you have to have one bottle of bourbon and you have to have one cigar... What is that What is that one pairing? I'll go ahead and I'll start and I'll go to Jordan, and Matt, and I'm going to finish with you, Connor. Mm-hmm. If I was going to do that, I would say, uh, even though it's a rye, I would go with the Thomas Handy BTAC, the mm-hmm. Buffalo Trace antique collection. I would probably pick that and I would have myself a well-aged Opus X Power Ranger to go along with that. Matt, what would be your ultimate cigar and bourbon pairing on a desert island.
3: Can, can I be kind of shameless and say the Dojo Davida? Of course you can that's say a, whatever that's my you cigar want for sure. Yeah. And you know, I I know we talked a lot about Pappy being hyped up, but that Pappy 15? I could have Pappy 15 and a Dojo Davida all day long. That's that's where I'm at. Get
2: Absolutely
1: here. fantastic. What do you say, Jordan? Ooh,
2: uh I might go um I'm thinking yeah, I'm going high proof and so I want a beefy cigar to okay. go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh I go B Tech uh, William LaRue Weller, Mm. and I think I'll I'll pair with uh, Liga Provada H99.
1: Wow, interesting. Connor, you are the (laughs) guest of honor on tonight's Smoke Night
0: Live. What do you go with? Well, I think I'm probably going to join Jordan a little bit here. I think I'll go George T. Stagg, though. Either, you know, George T. Stagg or the Woodford Reserve Masters. The Barrel Proof Collection is incredible. Um, Last year's release and this year's release are amazing. So I'd either do one of those three bourbons and probably a Liga Profada H99 as well, um, or maybe even an Olmec. Oh,
1: yeah. Foundation Cigars Olmec. Yeah, those are fantastic. Do you like the uh, the natural version, the Claro or the— You know, I started with the Maduro. I'm slowly growing a preference towards the Claro wrapper. All right, there mm-hmm. you go. All right, folks, I uh, hope you enjoyed the show tonight, uh, talking a lot about bourbon. I know uh, there's a lot of crossover of cigars and bourbon. Uh, as as you all know, we're big bourbon guys on Cigar Dojo. Oh, yeah. Loved all the comments tonight. Thanks to all of you guys joining us. Hey, Wednesday night on Flavor Odyssey, we're going to continue our journey into emerging cigar trends. And the Ooh. the next one that we're going to tackle is one that isn't, New well, none of these are new, really. It's just ones that are becoming more and more popular. And this week, it is a Connecticut shade wrapper over a Maduro binder, typically a San Andreas Maduro binder. Jordan R uh, Diet Sarsaparilla is that blend, but there's a mm. uh, the Tatuaje Negotiant is one of my favorite all time cigars.
2: You get the uh, Brickhouse Connecticut goes uh connect is both um, both American goes Connecticut wrapper over. Uh, Broadleaf binder.
1: And Davidoff is well known for using this um, style of blending. So get yourself something that is a Connecticut shade over a Maduro binder. And if you're not sure, feel free to ask uh, me or Jordan on dojoverse.com. We can point you in the right directions for some of that. And then find the drink that you think would pair best with that. Here's the great thing about that combination, Connor, is there's this – with a Connecticut shade wrapper – cigar you get this sort of sort of hay grassy note but then the sweetness and caramely notes of that san andreas maduro combine with that connecticut shade to make just the most amazing (gasps) amazing flavor profile which is going to be a ton of fun and then the week after that jordan we are doing uh, is that it but There's one more. There's uh, one more. Sorry. I don't have it on. I don't yeah. have it on it. But, anyways, uh, it's going to be fun on Wednesday night. So, make sure to grab uh, one of those uh, cigars and a pairing. We'll have tons of fun. A week from tonight, Connor, Omar will be on the show. Omar DeFrias from Fratello Cigars. We're going to be talking about this particular release, The Afterburner. Oh,
3: look at that. Artwork. We're going to be
1: talking a lot about this for the entire show <laughs> uh, next Friday. Omar will be on the show. He's a ton of fun. He's like 17 feet tall <laughs> and um, he used to work for NASA Gosh. and he's always has interesting stories to tell.
0: You know, Eric, can I just bring up yes. how incredible this artwork, like I saw the picture <laughs> online and it does not give a, a just the slightest justice of what this box looks like in hey. person. There is just, so, I mean, just buy this thing for the box. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> it is. It is super duper cool. So we'll be talking it's a about piece that history. Yeah, it's a piece of history. Yeah. We'll be
1: talking about that next Friday night on Smoke <laughs> Night Live, and the week after that, Connor. Yes, we even have the week after that planned. Eric Whoa. Bay from Black Star Line Cigars will be here in studio. Hanging out with us, Black Star Line Cigars. Uh, Jordan and I have been lucky enough to uh, get to do some of his uh, bands for some of his new cigars that he's uh, releasing, uh, the Rosewood 1923. And so we'll talk a lot about that with Eric. That's two weeks from tonight. But until then, grab your phone. Get on DojoVerse.com. Oh, yeah. Check into your favorite cigars. Share what you're drinking. Share what you're smoking. Share what you're listening to with Hashtag <laughs> Now Playing. We're going to be having fun all night long on DojoVerse.com. Huh, Connor? I'll be there. I want to thank you there? Connor for being here. Thirsty Oak. Remember, Yolk. get on the Thirsty Oak. Uh, subscribe to his channel. Do all those sort of things. Follow his videos. They're absolutely amazing. There's one that me and Jordan were on. Uh, recently which was a ton of fun that we did on his Mm -hmm. show had a great time so uh, please subscribe to his videos he's putting a ton of effort into those and uh, we all enjoy them as well so until next week remember everybody never never smoke smoke alone. alone we'll see you next week
4: listen kid i've been in the industry for 33 years and i've been smoking cigars for 50 years i've had just about every brand ever made what the heck am i smoking now here
2: this is the H. Upman 1844
3: classic.
4: Initially, I'm detecting tasting notes of coffee, black pepper, wood, and, and, and little hints of sweet cream. I'm getting some hot tamale, uh, uh, big pork chops on the grill. Mashed potatoes with butter, flounder. Are we smoking the same cigar he is? Fossilized earth, miniature pizzas that you put in the microwave. Are you, are you talking about bagel bites? Bagel bites, I'm getting some bagel bites out of this. Lasagna, cocoa puffs, portobello mushrooms, guava, banana pudding, salami, foot powder, an everything bagel.